0: Comic Books of my episode 448. Welcome back to the Comic Book Savant Podcast. I'm your host, James Harris. This episode is going to be a trade review. We're going to be doing a review for Oblivion Song Chapter 2. I know previously on Spinnerack Bros, me and Heath reviewed the uh, first trade paperback uh, that collected the uh, first six issues of the Image Comics Skybound uh, paperback written by Robert Kirkman and Lorenzo DiFalenza. Felici, I hope I pronounced that correctly. I get it confused. Um, and we kind of were split on it. I, I liked it a little bit better than Heath did. So I didn't want to bother him too much with the review on this one because it was a book that he necessarily, uh, said he might not want to come back to. So I decided to take the reins on this one. But before we get into that, Get into the main part of the episode. I want to give a shout out to Heath over at Serial at Midnight. You can find him at serialatmidnight dot com. You can also find him over at YouTube at um, YouTube forward slash Serial at Midnight as well. Um, we do have collab videos over there that I've done on his channel. Plus, we have the episodes of Spinnerack Bros that we have done here as well. So you can see me do some videos with him, and you can hear him over on podcast form over here. Um, as well. So definitely that's something you want to check out. Also, again, hit up the website, hit up his YouTube channel, his social medias, uh, is serial midnight, but I'll have all the links to everything down in the episode here. So if you go over to, to the website, once you listen to this episode, I'll have all the links to social media, website, YouTube. So if you're, if you couldn't catch it now, when I'm saying it, you'll have it all there to find all his uh, pertinent information. And we do got more Uh, Collabs coming in the future. Um, So don't worry. We just schedules haven't lined up right now for us to do as much as we want it to do, but we already got stuff planned in the works. Just got to sit down, get schedules ironed out to get it done. But again, this title is oblivion song published by image skybound slash skybound, which is Kirkman's label under image. Uh, Trade retails for roughly around nine 99. You probably find it cheaper. Uh, on online retailer sites like In Stock Trades, Amazon, or even digitally, if you get it through like Comicsology as well, so you can always get it a little bit cheaper. It's written by um, Robert Kirkman. Also, artwork is done by Lorenzo Lorenzo De Felice. Um, colors work is done by. Annalisa Leone, lettering's done by Russ Wooten, and this this trade collects issues uh, 7 through 12. Now, I do want to state a disclaimer here. I bought the individual issues. Now, I know this was one, a sticking point for, for Heath because, especially when it came to the artwork, it changed my perspective on the artwork. Now, these are kind of bare-bones trades from how Heath, if you hadn't listened to that episode definitely go back and listen to it. I'll have a link to it in the description as well, uh, for this episode on the website. So you can go back if you hadn't listened to that one yet, but he was, he pretty much said that it was, the trade was pretty bare bones, no back matter, no letters, pages, anything like that. Um, and, um, I thought about what changed me about the artwork. Cause we both kind of had an issue with the artwork when we first read it. It was um, one of the issues had some uh, letters. It wasn't a letters page, but it was basically like a kind of interview thing that Kirkman did of uh, Felice and he talked about how his mom inspired him to draw, and that you know he not, wasn't the most talented artist, but he he had the love for drawing based upon his mom being an artist and like kind of struggling artist, and it was something that gave her so much passion that transferred over to him, and just like certain things, it's like I mean, not everybody's going to be Jim Lee. It's all Different types of artworks and styles out there. Um, I mean, I, one artist, especially that I had the biggest uh, problem with when I would on another Kirkman book, was Charlie Adler when he first came on The Walking Dead, coming from Tony Moore. I was like, "Oh gosh, this artwork's crap!" And over time, I adjusted to the arts, the, 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 the you know the the change in art style between the two artists, and he became one of my favorite. Artist, because he did a good job with doing the artwork, he was consistent, always on time. And I think that's just as important as having pretty artwork. Because how many times has Jim Lee had a book he was working on that he never finished or got delayed tremendously, you know, outside of him doing covers for something? So, you know, again, even though he's one of my favorite artists of all time, you know, he can't meet a deadline to save his life. And it's, I think, just as much as the the um the initial aesthetics of the art is like consistency in its storytelling storytelling is just as much a part of it and I feel like after seeing that and seeing his character designs all that was in back matter in the single issues that weren't in the um these individual trades the chapter one chapter two I'm assuming I, I don't have chapter two uh trade um Again, because I, I just kept buying it single issues. That's how I initially bought it, um, and I just kept buying it that way because of that back matter. Especially once he told me about that. Now, Kirkman always has a very specific schedule on how he releases certain things. You know, he's done this with all his series where um, initially he'll do like the the trade, and the trade is pretty much bare bones. It's just the the, the main content itself. Then. He' been known to do where he does like the hard covers, the yearly like hardcover editions, like library editions or oversized hard covers. I don't know. I'm looking this up right now because it. I think it would um really go a long way in how I would recommend you buy this series if you are interested in it for sure. And lo and behold, good thing I checked while we while I'm sitting here talking to you about it, because I didn't think about doing this beforehand. When is this due to come out? Let's see. This is. Hmm. It was a hardcover released. But it, it couldn't have been of the whole series. Um, now I'm curious because Kirkman normally, like I said, he does the trades that normally come out like issue six comes out the next month that that um, trade is out. He does a good turnaround, has a good schedule of releasing these out. And then he would do per year um, the next trade. I don't know if he's going to follow the same uh, pattern that he has with previous books with Oblivion Song. That's what I'm trying to find out uh, as we're speaking here now. But anyway, um, this volume collects issues 7 through 12, and the breakdown on the trait is as follows Nathan's coal uh, world comes crashing down around him. For the, the sake of two worlds, he must pick up the pieces and carry on. And, um, you know, again, picking up from what we learned in the first volume. Um, this is very cinematic. This has actually already been optioned for a film. Uh, I talked about it back in my roundup from news from San Diego Comic-Con a few episodes back. I can't remember what studio picked up the rights to it, but it is being developed for a major motion picture. We're not sure like if it's going to cover like the first trade or like if that will be the, the, the source material, the first 12 issues. And that was one thing uh, Heath spoke on, too, that it was written more as episodic full piece how they put how they put the trade together is like it's no stop or breaks to show you where issues start and stop it's like it says it's chapter one it's chapter one and it's like a continuous piece like you can sit down and read it in a sitting in two on how he described it um with no pauses and breaks until we can tell between issues where of course were for me, we're reading the individual issues. It read totally different. Cause I had those breaks and they kind of do a, a few pages at the beginning of the, the, the next, uh, next issue kind of setting up the events that happened, the, the issue before, uh, similar to like how you get a recap at the beginning of a TV show. You know, that was one thing he said that was kind of uh, a off thing for him as well. And that it, it felt like, A comic that was trying to sell a movie, which we now know it has sold the movie, and/or episodic show. It does have a little bit more television, or this is optioned, optionable material. Uh, So that is definitely something to be aware of in going in. It. I didn't think it hampered the book. By again, I read the single issues compared to reading the collected edition. Uh, So I can't speak fully. I can only go off my brother Heath. And what he, you know, how he described his experience reading the trade to me reading the single issues. And it was definitely none of the back matter. None of the character sketches were there um, at all. So that is definitely something to, you have to consider on which formats you, you would buy it on. Like I said, I started buying the, um, the individual issues. I just kept to that. Um, But, I'm like I said I'm trying to get classification on um what's going on here um because most of his other books do it so it only makes sense that um it would be the same way for um for this series but um. Trying to find it quickly, and I'm not finding what I want to find at all. No, I'm not finding it. Okay, so maybe not. Or it just hasn't been solicited yet, which is strange because I think the third thought, third um, volume uh, paperback has already been solicited, if I remember correctly. So I just thought maybe if Image was going to do a... Uh, uh, you know like a library edition that would collect you know 12 issue chunks like walking dead and and um uh walking dead and um invincible dead because those always sold extremely well um but i don't see anything i'm even on skybound's website right now um let's see titles coming soon Big titles I don't know that's about new series, latest releases. Um, this is gonna bug me because if I tell you guys one thing and then like right after this episode airs, you know, check it out and it'll be like, oh no, it's something else. I'm gonna feel really stupid. I hate that. Um, Okay, Oblivion Song, Oblivion Song News... Uh, Comics, comics... Trailer... You know what? I'm getting frustrated with this. November... Um... Just checking something. Nope. Well, I guess I was absolutely wrong because I'm even looking at Skybound solicits for November, and um yeah, nothing just the individual issues and the trades. I'm not seeing a horror cover. maybe it's something he'll do down the road, but as of the recording of this episode, I'm not seeing anything uh concrete about the hardcover, which is kind of disappointing, but it, it is it is what it is, but um what I would have to say about this second volume. Um, I, first and foremost, what I stated earlier, I've grown way more comfortable with Lorenzo de Felice's art style. It's very unique and with all the different creatures and, and monsters, and it really plays into, uh, so much creation. He's doing a lot of creation here. So his style, he's a good storyteller. Um, sometimes I still think the biggest issue, um, that he has with his artwork is, Doing, he's getting better, but it's still like I think the one weakness is making it perfectly clear which character is which. Because sometimes character designs, especially when um, Nathan and his brother um, in the first volume, and even in parts in this volume, you saw them. That sometimes when action sequences happened, it was kind of hard to tell them apart. Um, he got better with his female characters and some of his other characters, uh, just random characters in the world that he's getting more comfortable. Uh, in his style and, and making them more unique. And you can tell who's who um, Kirkman. Again, I can't speak enough highly enough as him as a writer, he's doing a good job with the world building and it's enough surprises and twists and plot turns to keep you coming back month after month. And I, you know, like when I buy comics and I talked about this in the Ask comic Book Savant episode two, you know, like, you know, I'm, I wait for sales and stuff to come on, come up so i can get as many comics as possible so a lot of times um instead of waiting for the trade because i i can these are relatively quick reads i read them relatively quickly quickly if i could talk so i normally get these like after a month or two after they come out a lot of times they're like um on Comixology, I get them $1. sixty-nine or something like that an issue. Or if I catch an image sale, they'll have a random sale. I'll just get the, I'll pick them up for like about $0.99 cent an issue or $0.80 some cent an issue because they'll have a sale and you get a discount. So I normally grab a billion song kind of like that and I gather enough and just then I'll read, you know, read the lot that is, um, you know, um, going to be included in the trade and just review from that. Um But again, like I said, from everything he 's told me, it misses all the back matter, and they have cool little stuff and you know, and Robert Kirkman is always good for addressing issues that pop up in the comics and things, and he talks to you directly. I always like his pages. I just did a massive read through of, of the last um i think eighteen issues of The Walking Dead to finish the series off, and um he does so much where you know the letters' pages is where. It starts with a section with him talking directly to you as a comic fan about what you just read and wait till you see what's next type thing. And so I love those kind of things. And like I said, that was so heartfelt the like interview piece or the piece where Lorenzo de Valencia, I think it's like the back of issue two. It's not back issue one, because I think back at issue one, he shows like his character designs, which were really cool and monster designs when they first started, because, you know, this was a totally. Um, surprise project they had they just this just showed up on shelves you know just random they have worked on this book they're way ahead you know like you know i think they were a year plus into this project before it hit stands so they're way ahead of us where they are and again that's why i say his artwork is he's gotten more comfortable in the world and the characters because he created all this stuff from scratch this you know the alternate dimension that they go back and forth to all of that is from notes and what he came up with and pitched back and forth between him and Kirkman. So I commend. Not a lot of artists do that. They have a lot of reference. When you write a, you know, write or draw a Marvel comic, you have decades of, you know, content to reference from other writers and artists. When you're creating something totally new and unique you got to come up with it and not everyone has the imagination and or skill to do that. And I feel like, you know, that's where his strong point as an artist is because his imagination is limitless when he comes up with these funky looking creatures in this, this world, this other dimension It's really, uh, you know, really stands out. So uh, again, I commend him. He's becoming one of my favorite new artists that again, you know, I knew nothing about that this book has put him on my radar and I, I enjoy his artwork. Um, like I stated earlier, this is one of those books that's a very quick and easy read, but it's enough entry, characterization, action, mystery is worth the price of the book. Um, it's not for everyone. I'm a big sci-fi fan. And again, Robert Kirkman I and certain writers over time in my um, in my uh, interaction with them as being a fan and reading their work, that they're just bankable for me is, you know, him Jason Aaron, Brian, Michael Bendis, uh, Greg Rucka is a certain writers. When I see their name on a project, I don't really care who's drawing it unless it's somebody artwork that I really just dislike um, that I'm going to pick it up based on the name appeal. And I'm point five percent of the time. I'm never let down. But what by what they write? And that's just the thing. Like, you know, some people like, well, if I can read a book in like five minutes, it's not worth it. If it entertains you and, you, and you're and you intrigued by the story and you're ready to read the next issue by the time you finish it, then they're doing something right and it's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't matter if it takes you an hour to read a comic book. Or five minutes if you enjoy it all that matters at the end of the day is if you enjoy what you're reading it doesn't matter how quickly or how long it takes you to but long as the end result is enjoyment on your part then it is worth picking up and telling people about because if you enjoy it, it is similar people out there that have the same interest and likes that will like it as well so they might not know so let them know that's what this whole platform is all about that's what i do i read stuff that i like and i let you guys know and then i tell you about stuff that i read that i didn't care for and i give you good and bad reasons why and that even though it might not appeal to me you might try it and like it you know you can do it all positively and you know i think it's you know a negative culture sometimes where everyone has to beat up on everything if they don't like it they have to like bury it you don't have to bury it you can just say what you don't like about it and say hey but yet and still it is some positives here with this you know not, you know, mentalities need to, need to change. And I try to, I hope I do a good job in promoting and spreading that positivity in our community. Because I think sometimes in our community as comic fans, it can be a, a real negative sometimes or derogatory or uh, um, non-inclusive. So I hope we are doing a good job at that as um, the Savant Society, as, as the community that we've built with that, that we um, we do the opposite. But anyway, oh, I have it here. This is why I do bullet points way in advance before I record episodes, because the thing I just said earlier that was that I didn't know is right here at the bullet point. If I just had looked at my bullet points, um, a living song was optioned by Universal Studios to be made into a major motion picture with, with, um, I'm sorry about that. I'm um, <laughs> I'm prepping for my uh, procedure and I'm on a full liquid diet and I have to like drink liquids like every so often. So I can't not help the alarm going off constantly, but I apologize about that. Um, Yeah, Universal Studios motion picture with um, Sean O'Keefe writing the script. So that's all we know at this point that it's been optioned. They have a uh, uh, someone writing a script, but we don't know when this might go into production as of yet. And, again, this news came out of San Diego Comic-Con uh, back in July. So we haven't had any updates since then um, about where that's at. And it might be a, probably another – might be San Diego next year before we might get some movement, maybe hear about a director or something like that, or maybe get some casting uh, notes. And the last thing I was saying, which I played up uh, played upon or I talked about earlier – in the um, episode where I was seeing Heath's you know, and it does, I, I have to say that it does. The format is very cinematic. It's like you're reading a storyboard or a TV show or even a movie, which is a little bit different from most comics. And surprisingly where it bothered Heath, it hasn't bothered me as much going through because it, it gives that epic scope, that, that sci-fi feel. And I kind of feel like I want to see that, you know, kind of, you know, it's not so small scale. It's big encompassing, big scenes, big action. So I kind of dig it. And I can't wait to kind of see where they might go in the direction for the movie. I'm, You know, I wonder because kind of the character creature designs are a little bit, um, they're not nightmarish, but they're like very deformed, which could be, they might, I'm like, would they go like a sci-fi, sci-fi horror route or just sci-fi. Um, based on the designs, and are they going to, you know, um, largely change the designs or the look and feel that um, Kirkman and DeFelice have have created in the book? Because so I wonder, because I guess it, like, if you do that in real life or like even in CGI, it might have more of a horror kind kind of vibe to it. So I wonder, would it be a rated R? Would it be a PG thirteen uh, type situation? So I'm curious to see how maybe that would pan out. But all in all, I have to say my rating on this book is a good read. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 as a book that I'm going back to, you know, month after month. I, when I do sit down with my, you know, my issues to, to read, I enjoy it. And it, you know, it really sets me up and I'm surprised the path it took me on along the way and to see where it's going next. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm after reading this, I'm stoked, um, um, about to see where it goes because i don't read a ton of sci-fi books i've been finding but image i feel like is you know well outside of star wars which is more space opera i guess than straight up sci-fi but um image has been doing a good job i've been um almost the other book that i tried i think i reviewed it on the youtube channel i think it's called copperhead or maybe i talked about it here um that's a sci-fi series that was done over an image that I really liked. And I, I want to go back and finish reading the series. I read the first, uh, trade if or first issue or first trade, uh, I did a first read. I did some type of episode on it where I talked about the series and it's sci-fi and, but you know, it's not a ton of it, really good sci-fi out there, like in comics. So, um, it, this, re- this book really scratches the itch for me in that way. So I, like I said, I look forward to it when I sit down and I read it, I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's probably my uh, favorite sci-fi book out there. The only other book I could say I read this past year that was sci-fi that I liked uh, probably a little bit more than this was, um, and if you haven't read this yet, definitely this is a recommendation as well. Um, Green Lantern Earth One Volume One. I think it's Gabriel Hardman and I can't remember who else co-wrote it with him. But um, really good sci-fi story. This is probably like my second favorite um, after that one for sci-fi. So, um, yeah, I really feel that itch for me. And, again, it's not a must-go-out-and-buy because I feel like some people will like it. Some people won't. Not everyone is a huge fan of Robert Kirkman like I am. Um, So, you know, it could be your mileage may vary is what I would like to say. But if if you are a fan of Kirkman or you like his writing style, um and you like different things that he's written in the past i think you will really enjoy it um it's a, it's a like i said fun intriguing series with a lot of good world building going on in it um and a lot more story to tell you could tell like he they're way ahead like i said they're um they were like a, at least a year i think they said in in the um back pages When this even launched, they were already, you know, this like we just got their first year. So no telling. They probably got the next few years, uh, you know, done already. (laughs) So it's going to be fun to to, uh, go along the ride for the rest of the journey. So, uh, again, can't recommend it enough. But that's all I have for you guys for this episode. Like I said before, at the beginning of the episode, check out my brother from another mother, Mr. Heath Holland, over at uh, Serial at Midnight. Dot com, and also you can find him on YouTube at youtube.com serial at midnight as well. Um, but I'll have all the particulars on the website and th- this episode posting. So just go there and I'll have links to everything as well as the spinner rack bros episode we did where we reviewed volume one uh, of this series as well. And um, I will be, I'll be doing a review for, um volume three coming up i will just keep the reviews for that here on the podcast because that's where it originally started um i won't jump around and put it somewhere else so you can easily find it here um but that's all i have for you guys for this episode as always um you can follow me on social media at comic book savant on twitter and instagram it's the facebook group um facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Savant Society. Um, if you'd like to support the show, you can hit up the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash comic book Savant for a donation of a dollar a month. At least you can get access to these, uh, Patreon-exclusive podcast feed, um, the, um, some of my extra podcasts. is a whole other uh, weekly podcast that I do exclusively for the Patreon, so that could be worth your donation right there. If you can't, it's not a requirement. It's just to ask if you like the content that I create and you want to help support and improve the show, that's the way you can go about doing it. If you can't do that, you can always check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, you know, tweet me, join the Facebook group feedback is all about feedback and interaction. So anyway, if you can't monetarily contribute and help the show again, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt anything. It's helpful. It's helpful, super helpful in going into the covering the cost of, um, creating the podcast, but it's not a must do because I know everyone's financial situation is totally different. Um, but it's other things you can do beyond that, that helps tremendously as well. Uh, send an email, ask questions, anything of that nature. All of it helps me and make the best content I possibly can for you guys as listeners and supporters of what I do. So I appreciate everything you do um, as well. But that's all I have for you guys for this episode. I'm your host, James Harris. This is the comic books of My podcast. Until we speak again, you guys stay safe and I will talk to you soon. Take care.